Welcome to the Denton's Business Insights Podcast. I'm Blair McCready, the Managing Partner of Denton's Toronto. On this podcast, we discuss topics and trends to help general counsel and executives grow, protect, operate, and finance their businesses in Canada and around the world. So over the last decade or so, we've seen an increase in the use of clawback policies by Canadian companies, despite the fact that there is no legislative requirement in Canada. Now, um, by way of background, a, a clawback policy is something that allows an employer to reclaim compensation paid to executives on incentive-based plans, typically where that incentive compensation has been paid based on fraudulent or inaccurate financial measures. So on today's episode, we're going to be discussing the current legislative landscape for Canadian companies, particularly those that are on U.S. exchanges, and discuss the implications of whether or not it's a good idea for Canadian businesses to implement this type of policy. So I'm pleased to be joined today by uh, Ben Isco, a partner in the Toronto office's Corporate Securities and Corporate Finance Groups, as well as our M&A group, and also Larissa Workowicz, who's an associate with us in the Toronto office Employment and Labour Group. Ben and Larissa, thanks very much for, uh, for joining me today. So let's jump in. Um, ben, perhaps you can start by telling us a little bit about these clawback policies and who they generally apply to and how a company might implement or use this type of policy. Okay. Uh, thanks, Blair. So generally, these policies are used by uh, public companies, uh, and it's mostly a risk mitigation tool uh, to promote integrity and accountability of its personnel. Uh, as you uh, described earlier, it's typically geared toward executive officers, but it can extend to uh, other members of uh, a company's staff, including those that are specifically those that are probably assisting with the preparation of financial uh, statements. So subject to le legislative requirements like those posed by the SEC, a compensation plan can take the form as of a single or double trigger. Uh, the single trigger simply requiring uh, an inaccurate measurement of a financial uh, performance or of a performance, or it can have a double trigger, which is that inaccurate measurement and uh, some type of fraudulent uh, activity. Often, though, they will focus on financial measures, but it can be used for other type of measures as well that incentive is based on, and those measures or the results of those measures ultimately turn out to be inaccurate. So something like uh, safety, retention, uh, there's no shortage of metrics that uh, companies may use to incentivize its uh, personnel. And so what, what, Ben, is the current sort of stance on Canadian companies using these types of, of clawback policies? Yeah, so generally speaking, there, there is nothing under Canadian securities or corporate law to say that it doesn't apply to Canadian companies would not be accurate because, uh, or uh, soon to not be accurate because they may be subject to the SEC requirements that are coming into play, which do which do require this type of uh, prescribed policy to be in place. So uh, the requirements are more so related to disclosure. Uh, securities law requires disclosure if you have one in place. Uh, there are proposed uh, amendments to the Canada Business Corporations Act uh, that will 
eventually adopt a disclose or explain uh, policy towards compensation-based recovery. But as it stands right now, it's more of a good governance practice rather than just a requirement. So I, I do, uh, Ben, want to ask you about um, some of the new SEC rules uh, that are coming in. But but before I do that, let me just, Larissa, bring you in here. And maybe from an employment perspective, you could share with us, what are the requirements that must be met in order for an employer to lawfully implement one of these policies where they may be claw, clawing back an employee's compensation. Absolutely. Uh, and thank you. Thank you for the great introduction, Ben, in terms of what landscape we are dealing with. In, in terms of those requirements, it is ultimately going to depend on the provincial employment standards legislation or uh, for, for federal federally regulated companies in Canada, the, the applicable legislation there. And that legislation is going to speak to what the requirements are that have to be met in order to legally claw back an employee's compensation. And the key consideration is going to be what constitutes wages under that legislation. As in most cases, the legislation will then prescribe what protections there are against clawback on those wages. And when it comes to incentive-based compensation, you, you do tend to see two main or three, three forms rather. Uh, cash-based incentive, securities-based incentive, and then a, a combination of, of cash and securities. In Ontario, for example, wages is defined broadly and cash-based compensation would clearly fall within that. Uh, securities-based compensation, on the other hand, is not explicitly addressed in Ontario's employment standards legislation and thus whether or not it would fall within that definition of wages is going to ultimately depend on the specific wording of the employment agreement or the incentive plan. And so once you determine whether or not you are dealing with wages or not, that's when the next step is to take a look at what the legislation says around what when clawbacks can, can occur. And oftentimes it'll set out different requirements that must be met in order for an employer to legally claw back on, on something that is considered to be wages under the legislation. To use Ontario as another example, Ontario's Employment Standards Act requires that an employer have an employee's written authorization to make a deduction. And that authorization can't just be a blanket statement. It's going to have to refer to a specific amount uh, or provide a formula that enables calculation of, of a specific amount. And so if you don't have a policy that meets those requirements, then a clawback is not going to be legally permissible in, in Ontario. Or if you don't have something that meets the similar requirements in the other legislation, a similar analysis would apply. Yeah, and that was actually a question, Larissa, I was going to ask, and I appreciate that the legislation may be slightly different um, across different provincial jurisdictions, but by and large, do employers need to have an employee's consent in order to implement one of these policies? Generally speaking, yes. The, the requirements in the legislation is going to be some form of authorization from the employee for that, that deduction of, of wages. And then where the legislation is going to differ is the particulars around what that authorization or consent has to, has to look like. 
Okay. So, so Ben, you, you had raised the, the point about the new SEC rules, so the, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. So um, have these new rules uh, caused any compliance issues for Canadian issuers? These rules still have yet to come into effect, but once they do come into effect, there is a potential discrepancy here because the SEC rules don't distinguish between wages and sal or cash and security-based incentive compensation. So if there is a requirement to claw back cash, you may run into potential concerns that Larissa was just flagging a moment ago. What the SEC rules have identified is what's called a home country uh, exemption. And uh, I'm not going to get into all the nuances of what's required to rely on the exemption, but generally speaking, if a company is domiciled in a country that has these type of laws that Larissa is describing before the SEC rules were published, then they can rely on this home country exemption. So in this case, uh, an SEC issuer would be able to make the claim that we cannot clawing back this compensation would be in violation of our home country law. Now, this is where the country is domiciled, where it gets quite a bit more gray, and I think issuers will be in a bit of a difficult situation, is if you're not domiciled in Ontario, but you have an employee that's subject to clawback that is subject to the employment laws of Ontario. As I said, the issuer may not be domiciled, but they would still be subject to employment law. So there may be a discrepancy between uh, the requirements of staying on side the SEC rules and staying on side uh, Ontario employment rules. So that's an interesting point. So if we're in a situation where a company is domiciled elsewhere, but has employees, let's say in the province of Ontario, um, Larissa, what steps would that employer need to take in advance of implementing this type of clawback policy? It's a great question. And I, I, the first step is to confirm all the different jurisdictions where you do have employees that are working and whether or not you have any employees in jurisdictions that are not in that in that domicile so that there can be a, a process of identifying where that rule that Ben is describing might actually become an issue. And if, if that is the case, uh, you do have employees that are in other jurisdictions, then the next step is going to be to follow the same analysis that I set out, which is determine what the applicable legislation that's governing those employees says, both with respect to what constitutes wages, and then also what the different restrictions are, uh, or what the different requirements are, in order to be able to lawfully claw back on what's considered wages. And then once, once that's done, employers can have a better understanding of whether or not that any clawback policies are going to be in compliance with the rules or whether or not there is going to be that, that disconnect. And at that time, uh, it's probably recommended that you call somebody uh, from our firm or your general go-to expert in order to be able to advise you on, on what the recommendation is to, to go forward. So even, even where an employer, uh, Larissa, does take the steps that you've, you've just outlined, what are there? Are there other risks that an employer needs to be aware of in implementing one of these policies? the the main The main risk that employers are going to have to be aware of is that even if they do implement a policy, even if they do check the the rules and the legislation around lawful clawbacks and have language that is is in is consistent with that with those requirements, there is 
always a risk that a decision maker in the future can take a look and say, no, I don't think that the requirements of the legislation are met and say that any clawback that was made as a result of that is, is impermissible. And that can expose uh, an employer not only to the obligation to pay back whatever it is that was clawed back, but also potential for fines and penalties depending on the applicable legislation. That said, there are steps that employers can, can take that outside of the clawback policy might at least give them some sort of relief or mitigate against some of that. For example, employers can take a look at the employment agreements that they have in place with any employees that are getting incentive compensation and ensure that those employment agreements have language around the requirement to repay employers in, in the circumstances that are that are set, are set out in the rules. And what that would mean is that maybe the employer doesn't have the lawful ability to claw back from wages directly, but they would still be able to rely on that language to request that the employee pay back any amounts that are owing or potentially commence a claim against the employee to recover those amounts. So even though the clawback from wages itself may not be permissible, there would be other options the employer could use to try and bring themselves within, within the scope and compliance of the rules. And, and Larissa, from an employment perspective, um, does, it, does, it, does it assist if the incentive-based compensation is mostly security-based as opposed to cash-based? Absolutely, it would assist in the sense that, as I as identified, securities-based compensation isn't captured in, in the Employment Standards Act or isn't explicitly addressed. And so it, it's, it's less likely to fall within that definition of wages. And therefore, all of these rules and restrictions around clawback, those, those wouldn't be applicable. Whereas if you're dealing in the world of cash-based compensation, that's very clearly wages. And that's where employers are going to really want to make sure that they have their their policies and their agreements reviewed and, and bring themselves on, on side. But it's a, it's a great question because certainly most of the risks and, and the conversation today is around cash-based compensation or types of compensation that would very clearly fall within whatever the definition of wages is that applies in the jurisdiction. Well, Ben and Larissa, I'd like to thank you both for sharing your insights with me today on these clawback policies uh, on our podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes on the Denton's Business Insights podcast series, which you can find on our dentons.com podcast page. On that page, you can access other episodes as well as descriptions for each topic, information on our speakers, and links to additional resources referenced in the podcast. Denton's is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice, and you should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Please see dentons.com for legal notices. Thanks very much for joining today.